NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Hollischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to NFL Report. I'm Aaron Halschuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. Now that we're about a quarter of the way through the 2022 NFL season, I'm joined today with Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum News editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Thanks again, Aaron. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. What are some of your first impressions so far? Any highlights or on the opposite end, any lowlights for you? Combination of both, I guess. As a Miami Dolphins fan, the highlight clearly being their good play at the beginning and the lowlight being the concussion suffered by Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, I think that's something we're definitely going to have to touch on a little bit later. How about you? Anything stood out? I would say there's a few surprises, maybe being a bit biased with the Seahawks, but Geno Smith being one of them, that one completely caught me off guard. And I know right now, I think with four games under his belt, he's currently leading with the highest passer rating in the NFL, which is something that I never, ever thought I would say. So that was definitely a surprise. The Eagles starting off at 4-0, definitely a surprise as well. And maybe on the opposite end for the lowlights, Matthew Stafford and the Rams definitely surprising me a little bit about how poorly they're playing and how bad his season has started off. So those are definitely a few of those. Just segueing from the Seahawks into that kind of controversy there, what are some of your thoughts? on how Russell Wilson has started his season so far? I thought he would struggle a little at the beginning. It's a new situation. They're not used to him. They may not necessarily especially be used to his raw style. You saw him on the weekend, like he was in with a Pop Warner team going around exhorting his teammates. But I think he's played well. I just think it's an unfamiliar situation. And I really don't think that their head coach has done a good job, Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I think that was definitely proven in that first game against the Seahawks and the terrible call right at the end of the game. Do you think he's based on his numbers? Is it, like you said, just getting familiar with a new team and a new scheme and a head coach? Or do you think at this point of his career, is he turning a little bit more into a game manager situation quarterback rather than the let Russ cook situation? I still think he's too good to be a game manager. I definitely think he's a little more savvy with his runs. He doesn't take the chances that he once did. But even with the Seahawks, people see all the winning and all the numbers and everything. But there was a ton of three and outs when he was with the Seahawks all the time. Basically, the plan was keep it close until the fourth quarter, and then he would turn it on. And that was when he actually started cooking. He just hasn't done it in Denver. I thought he played very well the last game, but I think it'll just take, even though the entire year, it'll take just to get used to him, get used to the coaches and everything. I don't think this is a Peyton Manning situation where you're going to come in and have instant success. How much grace do you think that the Denver fans will give to to Hackett and his head coaching decisions? Given they've already been counting down the play clocks, I don't think much longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're already disenchanted. Absolutely. Just circling back to two teams that we touched on already, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Let's unpack the Seahawks a little bit. What are some of your thoughts on Geno Smith? Do you think after 10 years, this is finally his time to shine? Or do you think these first four games are just a little bit of a lucky streak? I think if you're in the NFL, even if you're Nathan Peterman, you're a good quarterback. Oh, you can't be surprised when he has some good games. I think the first game against Denver was their Super Bowl. But 
he's not being asked to do too much. He has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett who are going to make plays, and he's not being asked to do too much in the running game. Rashad Penny is really kicking in. So I think he can maintain it. I still don't think they're going to be an exceptionally great team, but I don't know that he'll keep up with 77% passing, but he's a serviceable NFL quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what they do after the season if they want to maintain with him or draft a young guy. Yeah, it's a good point. I just looked at his contract actually before we came on air, and I think he's got the veteran minimum at $3.5 million. And that'll be interesting to see if he resigns with the Seahawks or what his price might be after the season is done, depending on the rest of the season. What do you think of the Seahawks' defense? I know it was a pretty ugly game against the Lions this past Sunday. Is there any room for improvement? There's always room for improvement. I think they're a work in progress. I think this season was almost a referendum on Pete Carroll versus Russell Wilson. And I think Pete wanted to go into the season showing that with the running game and the defense, he could come up with a competent team. There's definitely a lot of work to be done. I think losing Jamal Adams at the back definitely hurts their big play chances. But again, I think they're a middling team. They're a 500 team. For sure. I think this is the first year since basically the Legion of Boom came together that there were so many rookies on defense. So I guess there's something to be said with that in terms of growth. Now switching teams to your Dolphins. In terms of the Tua situation, it's been quite topical at the top of everyone's minds, whether you're a Dolphins fan or not. What's your take and what's your perspective on all of that? The Dolphins have spent the better part of 20 years disappointing me. I think (laughs) the last couple of weeks were the most disappointed I've been, wins, losses, or anything else. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm just a fan. But when I saw him wobbling out there in the Buffalo game, I just thought immediately, as someone who's had concussions, and just like anyone like yourself or anyone who's seen a thousand NFL games, that did not look like a back injury to me. You don't hold your head and try to shake out the cobwebs when you injure a body part. I have bad knees. And if I take a misstep, and it hurts. I don't grab my head and shake my head and go, oh boy, my knee really hurts. Yeah. And again, I think the biggest issue is the NFL just, they give lip service to safety, but it's all about the money. It always will be. The way that I look at the situation is this, is if it was me and I was Tua, I'd want to be out there the next week. The competitive nature, that's the way the game is. But if it was my son, I would want him to sit out for the rest of the season. So is there a happy medium in there somewhere between the safety and the competitiveness? I don't know. But they played three games in 11 days. How is that supposed to be safe? How much accountability do you think the coach should have in this situation? He claimed that he wasn't a doctor and then he took the advice of the team doctor. And then, of course, there was that independent third-party doctor. How much say and how much blame should he shoulder? I think the entire organization as a whole needs to shoulder the blame. Obviously, the coach is going to defer to the medical personnel, but how much pressure is on the medical personnel to get them out there? Are they really the expert, quote unquote, has been fired already, probably just a convenient scapegoat. But what is the exact protocol? I want to see complete transparency. I want to know exactly what questions he was asked. I want to know why he's back in the game. It's just a big disappointment all the way around. Do you think ultimately Tua's career is over? Because I think looking at his career going forward, that's a massive liability on on literally and figuratively on his shoulders. So is his NFL future really in jeopardy at this point? 
I don't think his career is over. Obviously, he's going to try to get back. I hope he doesn't rush back. I found it interesting that they said that he wasn't going to play this coming Sunday because he's in concussion protocol, but they haven't tested him all week. So how do they know based on what's happened the last couple of weeks? How do they know that? It just seems they're very concerned with optics more than the safety of the players. This is something that the players have to come up with too, though. They have to balance that competitiveness and the need to protect themselves. I don't think his career is over, but I think anybody who saw the hit that we're referencing and saw his fingers all gnarled up as he just lost all control of his functions, you worry about that because they get progressively worse. I, as a Dolphins fan, I would like him to come back. But as a football fan and someone who cares more about the people in general, I just wish he would just sit out the rest of the year and let his brain rest. But that won't happen. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I agree. Do you think one of the things that I was looking over the past week was the comparing, comparing both the CFL and the NFL and the rules that apply? And I know one of my absolute all-time favorite quarterbacks, throwing back to the older CFL days, was Matt Dunnigan, who I think played for almost every team in the CFL. <laughs> but he is the poster child, unfortunately, for concussions. I think he's got 16 or 15 on record concussions. And even as a TSN analyst, I know he suffers with headaches on a daily basis and has trouble finding words. And he's a really obvious example of the long-term lasting effects of concussions. But I know a rule in the CFL is that the headquarters in Toronto can actually pull a player, even if they suspect the slightest amount of concussion happened or any sort of injury and their word overrides anybody else's. And that did happen once already this season. Do you think the NFL could ever adapt some sort of rule like that? I think they're probably already thinking about it. They should be able to do that now anyway. There's a spotter supposed to be able to call down and pull them out of the game. I just don't know with so much money involved. Obviously, there's not nearly as much money involved in the CFL. I just think something big has to happen for this to change. And maybe Tua forces the change to happen, but I'm just not really confident. We've seen endless number of retired NFL players Troy Aikman, Steve Young, they've all retired because they've had a billion concussions. For most of the life of all NFL fans, it was just, oh, you got your bell rung. Yes. Just get back out there, rub some dirt on it. That can't happen anymore. These brain injuries are serious. Someone is going to die on the NFL field. It's only a matter of time. You have experts like Chris Nowinski, the fellow who made the concussion movie, suggested this week that Tua should retire. I don't know. Again, not being a medical doctor, you have to defer to the experts. But in the end, you just want the players to be safe. I know those little extra padding helmet things that they have on top of their head in the preseason. It might look silly, but does that really matter? It's such a huge issue. The other thing that I wonder about is how many parents were watching that game. Yes. And said, boy, I don't want my kid to play football. That's the other side of the coin. And I know particularly the second concussion game to his parents were oddly enough at that game and they went to the hospital with him. And that really made me think about, you're right, about popcorn or footballer, junior levels of football with parents standing on the sidelines and seeing these violent hits, maybe not quite as violent as an NFL level, but equally so in terms of their children out there. What do you think the long-term effects of this might be on the game of football? It will be a slow progression because football is just so omnipresent and powerful. But we're not that far removed from Oklahoma drills and things like that and players having no water at practices in the heat. It's supposed to be this measure of toughness. 
participation is already down. Now you play flag football until you're 12 or something like that. I think that's a good idea. I just think that they have to continue to put the focus on these head injuries. T. Higgins from Cincinnati had two massive hits and he's back out there playing. It's the mentality of the players just to get back out there. Somebody has to protect them from themselves. Do you think there's any influence from the NFL Players Association at all? They also have to play a fine line themselves between protecting the players and getting them all paid and things like that. I just think right now, overall, that it's a violent game. It's a collision sport. Injuries are going to happen. But right now, I just think that there's too much lip service paid to player safety and not enough actual action. For sure. So just switching gears a little bit, we mentioned it's only about four or five games into the season so far, but have there been any players in particular that have really caught your eye for possible MVP candidates? I think it's mostly the usual suspects right now. Patrick Mahomes is going to be an MVP candidate almost every year that he plays. Josh Allen in Buffalo, who's my favorite quarterback in the league right now. I like the big burly guys. Jalen Hurts. He would be the surprise MVP candidate, but it's so early. I remember Russell Wilson, who still never received an MVP, but mm-hmm. he was cooking happily and was the MVP leader in the clubhouse after week four and five and six and seven and eight. And then the wheels fell off. So it, it's a yeah. little early for that. Absolutely. How about any Super Bowl predictions? I know we made our picks a few weeks ago, just before the season got started. Have those changed at all or any possible new candidates on the block? I'm too stubborn to change it after week four. I'm going to stick with the Bills, but in the NFC, that's a real crapshoot. But uh, you maybe give lip service to the Packers, but right now I'll just stick with the Bills and the Rams. I think I might have said the Rams as well, and I'm not sure about them. They haven't looked great, but again, you're right. It's still a little bit too early to tell. Maybe they just have to get the cobwebs out. Bobby Wagner certainly helps that team. And he threw quite the hit on that spectator who jumped out of the stands the other day with his gender reveal onto the field. If he can keep playing like that, who knows about the Rams? But what do you think about Tampa Bay? I know that I may have mentioned them as a possible Super Bowl contender. What do you think about them going forward? I think they'll be in the playoff mix if Tom Brady doesn't retire after week eight. Yes sort out whatever he's got going on. But as long as he's there, they're always in the mix. You look at the teams that have the quarterbacks are generally the ones that are in the mix, unless they're very young quarterbacks just starting out. But even in year two, you look at Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, they've made a step. It's a quarterback league. As long as you have a quarterback, I think those are the teams that you should be looking at. I think you're right. A quarterback and I think a good coach. I think with the change in coach for Trevor Lawrence, that probably helped a little bit as well. Just to wrap up here, how is your fantasy pool looking so far? A lot of three and one teams, but in my main money pool, again, two and two. So yeah, yeah. Any, looking, looking not too bad. Any trades or surprise moves at all that you needed to make? I generally don't do trades until later in the season because yeah. everyone is still reasonably happy with their team. You might float out a trial balloon or something like that, but you wait until you see that as soon as it looks like one of them is done for sure, then they're the more likely to give up their assets because they won't need them as much. 
I had Stafford and Prescott as my two quarterbacks. And so got rid of <laughs> Stafford right away. And the only other quarterback that was available was Geno Smith. So who would have known that in week four, Geno Smith would have gotten me 34 fantasy points and Matthew Stafford three. So that's the way this week ended. But I did end up winning. So I'll take it any way I can get. But thank you so much, Philip. We'll touch base as the season goes on and give our analysis at that point then. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. 